All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Seaweed Brain. Today, we have some returning guests. We have a very special, special Nego passage. (laughs) Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are joined once again this week by DJ and Darian from the podcast of Poseidon. DJ is currently picking up a pizza, so he will be with us shortly. Um, But welcome back, Darian. Hello, thank you for having us back. Utterly thrilled to be here today because we're in Nico's POV, and it's a particularly special Nico POV (gasps) Mm -hmm. for many reasons. He just girl bosses it up the whole time, but also because there is a lot of Will Solis setup going on. Perhaps the only Will Solis setup um, (laughs) ever, considering... I just found out because I started Trials of Apollo that we open on them dating. I thought there was going to be something else going on. It's okay. We can't all have a 10 book slow burn. (laughs) It's fine. It really is fine. Mm -hmm. Not all relationships are slow burn. Sometimes you do just jump right in or so I hear. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Sometimes Nico deserves to just be happy right now. Uh, Yes, he does. He He absolutely does. does. Darian, what yes. about your thoughts on Nico? <laughs> I have always been very fond of Nico as a character. Like, from the time I was reading these books, and he's like, we meet him in, in Titan's Curse, and he's like this annoying little brother character, which is a lot of energy and really exciting. And you're like, God, you need to tone it down a bit, kid. Your life is in danger. But I feel like he's very believable. And then everything he goes to is just so hard and sad. And I just have always been fond of Nico. I wanted nothing but the best for this boy. Never got to see anything good happen to him. It actually mm. particularly gets worse until this book in which he finally gets some strong queer role models to uplift him and bring yes. him to a ha- better place in his life. And it's here's the thing. I actually had not read Blood of Olympus since it came out for no other reason than I did not reread every book. And I'm not going to just read the last one again. So I reread this whole thing. To be on your podcast. Oh, I, was, I wanted to be so prepared. Like, I have all the context. I was also so excited to be here. But I read the whole thing. And I realized I didn't remember a lot of what happened. Like, I know what happens. But, like, the Phobos Temple. Like, yeah. a bunch of, like, Leo stuff and Jason stuff. Like, I was like, I didn't remember any of this. Yeah. I remember these Nico chapters. <gasps> exactly. Like, Aww. this when I reread it. I was like, because this is, I, <laughs> Jason's not here. I picked which chapters we were going to do. Flipping through, I knew I wanted a Nico section, and I was like, "This one." When he goes back to Camp Pathlet, I want this one. Yeah, and then when you I guys re-read, specifically requested this, <laughs> I wanted this, and I didn't know whether or not we were going to have the Piper section beforehand or the Jason section after. DJ really, really wanted the Jason section because he really likes how it starts. So I'm so sorry, DJ, <laughs> but we needed this one. And when I reread this, I was like, I remember this perfectly, like exactly the things I remember most about this book. Almost all of it happens here, except the part where Nico literally turns a guy into a ghost. That's the only thing that I remembered clearly that didn't happen in this section. But like all of yeah. it, I was shocked by how much of this section really stuck with this me. Is, this is really great, but also really funny because 
I think both of us forgot the section multiple times. No memory. Let me tell you, <laughs> no we reread the, like, this. okay, did you reread these, like, multiple times recently for this? I reread this book, like, a while ago to prep for this, and then I reread it again now, and, like, both of mm-hmm. those times when I we got through these sections, I was like, I know that there's, like, something, something with Will going on here. I remember that Will, like, is really nice to him, but all of the details just flew right out. I also truly forgot about the moment that Nico ghosted somebody. <laughs> in the sense of literally <laughs> turned them into a ghost, ghost. murder. Yes. Didn't kill a guy, turned him into straight a straight up destroyed a demigod. That was wild. I always considered myself a Nico lover. And yet so many details in this book just like whoosh, where you see them again, you're like, okay, yeah. I guess. But whoa. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was the most <laughs> of the book, but for some reason, like I didn't realize how much I remembered about this sequence. And it's wild the things that stuck with me for when the hell did this book come out like 2013 yeah 14 maybe it's been a minute i literally forgot that nico murdered someone yeah no me too (laughs) and he mentions it in this chapter he's like maybe murdering people is wrong since when do i care about what's wrong (laughs) we call that growth we call yeah i feel like that was the voice of reyna you know yeah okay (laughs) let's go ahead and dive in let's get into it so much good stuff to talk about starting right off the bat with an excellent moment nico is calling jules a bear oh we finally get it's payoff you might remember jules a bear from a conversation that Nico had with Reyna. Nico's trying to get her to open up, and so he shares something about himself that is kind of a secret that nobody else knows, which is that he has a dead zombie French chauffeur that was a gift from his father who wanted him to go to the mall and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's here! We get to meet him! A little setup, I guess, is that um, Nico, you might remember, split off with Reyna when Reyna had to have her final confrontation with Orion, slash also finally move the statue up to the Acropolis. So Nico is off with the deserting centurions. They're going to go and try to destroy the onagers before Reyna obviously flies in from the sky to try and drop the statue down. It would be bad if there are mm-hmm. like active catapults as that's happening. So yeah. somebody has to drive. It's Jules Zabera. He has not a line of dialogue and yet, oh, perfect. What is it? He used to be a race car driver, but he didn't win because he was using... Uh a doped a, like basically his car had performance enhancing drugs yes but also essentially. importantly it was a steam addition to the car because jules Abair was alive in the 1890s that's when he won the championship that's amazing that's so rich we love details and world building it's so cute <laughs> and nico like he calls shotgun which is yeah! so cute because He's 14 like, he can't drive. That's part of the gag. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also, I did have like an emo moment because I was like, I bet Nico hasn't called shotgun since Bianca died. Oh, wow. Since Way to be Before Tumblr they on even us. got to the Lotus Hotel. Was mm-hmm. shotgun even a phrase in the 1940s? I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like, he hasn't yeah. had this kind of camaraderie with people his own age mm-hmm. in decades. Jules hasn't driven anyone else around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's interesting because. When Nico's summoning Jules Abair, the Romans are a little bit like, what the hell, dude? And Nico is, like, kind of happy. Like, he's into yeah. the fact that they're a little freaked out by him, even yes. though they're so much older than him. And usually Nico hates that. He's just like, oh, no one trusts me. Everyone thinks I'm weird. Now he's a little bit like, I know what I'm about. And I'm, like, yeah. owning it a little bit more rather than rejecting it. Yeah, Absolutely. He, like, knows he's the weird kid. And he's ready to step into his, like, group dynamic as the weird mm-hmm. kid. As yeah. opposed to just not being with people his own age ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well... There's a back and forth on that. Except for, maybe not. Maybe <laughs> not. We're getting there. He's not ready yet. I take it back. Go ahead, Carter. 
this is as they're driving, Nico's reflecting. He's thinking about why he's out here risking everything to save the camp. Quote, Nico had mixed emotions about the camp. He'd felt rejected there, out of place, unwanted, and unloved. But now that it was on the verge of destruction, he realized how much it meant to him. This was the last place Bianca and he had shared as a home. The only place they'd ever felt safe, even if only temporarily. Every time he name drops Bianca, it just reminds me of the fact that no one has name dropped Bianca since the Titan's Curse. Mm-hmm. No one thinks about her. She died! Yeah, <laughs> saving this quest, like, she died! She was a kid! She was 12! It's interesting, though, because, because you know, time, when you record podcasts, is uh, an interesting concept. Just listen to your episode on Reyna in San Juan. Right. And at the beginning, because that's how I remember this off the top of my head, in her POV, she notes how, like, oh, all of his, like, anger and his loss and Nico's grief. Mm -hmm. She notes how he pushes away everyone who tries to get close to him, mm -hmm. which seems like a direct conflict to Nico's thoughts of, like, oh, I'm unwanted. People don't like me. Yeah. And it's like, is that the truth? Or is it, like, your defense mechanism of you push people away because you're afraid they will reject you? Yeah. I'm watching Married at First Sight right now. Um, and it's so true. Sometimes we create problems for ourselves in our relationships due to our past traumas. Mm -hmm. This POV hit a little bit. Let's say that. We can keep it pushing. <laughs> so we see the onagers. The energy of him describing what these weapons are is like a lot. Especially coming from Nico, who's from the 1940s, World War II. They're like IEDs, basically. Yeah, Nico's yeah. looking at them up close, and he sees that they are these rigged, improvised explosive devices. That's what IED stands for. In which um, there are tiny shards of imperial gold everywhere, so that when they explode, you know, this destructive material that can kill monsters and demigods is just going to blast everywhere in a way that will likely just vaporize or insta-kill everyone within a certain radius. That's kind of terrifying. the entire camp. Nico is horrified. Calls it evil. Yes. Yeah. Such a moment mm -hmm. coming from Nico. Yeah. He's not evil. He's just, you know, is a son of Hades. Those things are different. Yeah. He does have a moment where he's talking to Dakota and Layla, right? Uh, as they're planning for what they're going to do. And he's going to go disable the Onagers. They're like, how are you going to get over to the Onagers, Nico? And he just says, I'm going dark. And dissolves <laughs> into the shadows. And if that wasn't, I'm going ghost. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Pure Danny Phantom. Yeah. So I good. was just saying before we started recording, I'm going to say it again. One of my um, dear, dear friends from undergrad told a story frequently to many people about how his gay awakening was watching Danny Phantom. And this is just a shout out to you. Yeah, shout out to all of us. <laughs> shout out to all of us. Yeah. That was not my childhood, but I see it now. Danny Phantom's floppy hair. Ugh, the floppy hair. The floppy hair, hair was big. Yeah. Dark hair, blue eyes, please. I can't even. And a cartoon? Wow. <laughs> and a cartoon. That's the best part, actually, is cartoon. He's not a real person. Uh, <laughs> what I look for in a man. Not real. <laughs> not real. <laughs> Cannot get near me. Um, <laughs> Ideal. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So Nico does shadow travel, and it's bad for him. He's ill. He realizes that he was really relying on Reyna for all of these shadow jumps that they were doing. He misses her. He yeah. misses her strength, but he also misses her presence. But no, he told himself in italics, I am Nico D'Angelo, son of Hades. I control the shadows. They do not control me. I'm obsessed with how dramatic he is all the time. Everything is a moment, <laughs> a performance all the time. It really is true. Always. Even to himself. Uh, how regal. 
Um, anyway, um, Nico at this point is just shadow traveling up to the top of Half-Blood Hill so that he can do some recon, figure out what he's going to do. But then basically at this point, once he's up there, already realizes he cannot do this once for every onager. He cannot pop, pop, pop around to all of them in this way. So he's reevaluating. He's like, okay, if I can't take them all out, what is the next best thing for me to do to prevent the artillery from coming in? And maybe that is just, I don't know, pop in and real quick murder Octavian um, Mm -hmm. in his tent. And he's really thinking about it. He goes, "Mm, maybe not. Maybe that's bad. But before he can decide... Nico was about to attempt it when a voice behind him said, Nico? He spun, his sword instantly in his hand, and almost decapitated Will Solas. Put that down, Will hissed. What are you doing here? Nico was dumbstruck. Will and two other campers were crouched in the grass, binoculars around their necks and daggers at their side. They wore black jeans and t-shirts with black grease paint on their faces like commandos. Me? Nico asked. What are you doing? Getting yourselves killed? Will scowled. Hey, we're scouting the enemy. We took precautions. You dressed in black, Nico noted, with the sun coming up. You painted your face, but didn't cover that mop of blonde hair. You might as well be waving a yellow flag. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'll stop there. I could just keep reading. (laughs) When he says mop of blonde hair, Mm -hmm. all the way out. I'm laid flat by that. It's so funny. (laughs) This boy (laughs) does not know how to act. He's so confused. Mm -mm. He doesn't know. Hi, DJ. Hey, DJ. Hi. Hey, DJ, what do you think about Nico? I love Nico. Loved him since his first, when he first came about in Titan's Curse. Loved him all the way through Battle of the Labyrinth. Every every time he shows up, very stoked about it. Very excited for his and Will Solace's book. Yay! Yes. Well, you came in at just the right time because we just have the entrance of Will here. <laughs> this is actually where I ended up stopped listening to the audiobook so that I skimmed through the rest <laughs> of it. Just like listening to like a minute at a time. Tight. That's okay. We're summarizing it as we go, so it's fine. <laughs> in this section of the outline... Every other line is retyped verbatim because Read it. we're Read close it. readers. We look at literature. <laughs> we're going to talk about the text here. That's great. It's so fun. To do. We don't do this on podcast episode. It's so fun to get to do this here. Like write out quotes on a Google Doc and read them out loud. Who's yeah. reading? I was so embarrassing for me. I was like sitting in class surrounded by fucking mid-career professionals who went back to school to get their master's degrees. I'm sitting there, youngest person in the room. With my ebook out in front of me, just typing quotes verbatim. Oh, no, Nico hitting on some little twink. Carter, <laughs> okay, they know what book it is. Carter, you cannot be in your Harvard lecture in your yes, grad you school program can. whipping out the Blood of Olympus ebook. <laughs> You're making us look bad. No, legitimize children's literature. I didn't feel bad. I was just like, I don't want to have a follow up conversation about this with anyone in this class, and I did not. That is fair. That is to say. I was giggling. I was literally <laughs> giggling in that class reading it. these lines. Oh my god. I don't think I have anything else to say about it. We get it, Carter. You're mean to boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's very solid. <laughs> it's well written. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say the edge, the defensiveness, the way that he's completely transparent, but also still legitimately also irritated, but also not perfect. Perfect. Pitch perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. basically so nico's like why are you here first of all and will is like well i just delivered coach hedge's baby millie's baby mm-hmm. and he goes have you ever delivered a baby i had to get some fresh air 
That's why I volunteered for this mission. Gods of Olympus, my hands are still shaking. See? And then and he, he grabs him. <laughs> the absolute mad lad just grabs Nico's D'Angelo's hands. You're kidding me. Who on earth? Okay, first of all, there's so many moments, so many layers to this. Who mm-hmm. would do that? No one. No one. Even Reyna is tentative yes. about like putting a blanket on Nico. No mm-hmm. one just goes out and like grabs Nico's hand. And what happens? What? Uh, it sends an electric current down mm-hmm. Nico's spine, and he quickly mm. withdraws whatever he snapped. Whatever. Down bad. I do love how excited he was to find out that the baby was born, <laughs> and he's so like, oh, the baby! Like, it's yeah. just a pure moment of joy because he cares so much about Coach Hedge and wanting yes. to be his kid. Nico and, is oh. going to be godfather to that child. Yeah, he is. Now, this is this is a... This is a wind nymph. Like what? I I know it's like just delivered a baby. What does that entail with a wind nymph? Because you can walk right through those. Who who can say? I don't want to be involved in that narrative. (laughs) The baby is a satyr. Yeah, the baby's a satyr because the nymphs and the satyrs feel like they're supposed to be the same species kind of. But in my head, I'm like, are these? Because they're both supposed to be very into nature. So I'm like, are these just nature spirits? It's like Pokemon. Yes, exactly. We're like, you can breed between different species and it's just like, you know, you got to like match natures or whatever, Everstones. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Let's continue. We're we're basically going line by line here. Nico's down terrible. He's feeling things in his spine. He's snapping back retorts after being touched. I don't remember feeling anything when I read these passages, not like Mm -hmm. a few months ago. And I'm feeling everything right now. Wow. Me too. (laughs) Because what do they have? They have quippy banter. And what do mm-hmm. we care about on this podcast? Quippy banter between two <laughs> characters. Like, that's what makes me want to ship these people. Jiper, take notes. It's banter, but also, like, I can see it. Like, I feel like I know these people. Mm-hmm. And did I maybe not know these people before? I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but I really can see it clearly now. Yeah, when I read it for the first time, I definitely didn't see it. And in part, because once again, blaming things on the fact that I'm ace, I didn't know characters were into each other unless the book literally told me, like, you could Mm. not give me two characters flirting. I didn't understand why Annabeth was upset about Rachel. Like, why is she? I mean, I didn't either. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like a whole thing, but like. I did. Well, thank you, straight person in the room. And that's on emotional maturity. Perception. So when I went through and it's like, you, because it's like, oh, Will and Nico like each other. I, when the first one read it, I'm like, I feel like that came out of nowhere. Weird. And when they finally spell it out. And now when I read it for this time, I was like, I want to see if it's there. And it's like, hey, Nico describes Will as cat-like and you don't do that if you're not into someone. Oh, oh, mm. oh my. Um, <laughs> the next thing that happens with them is after Will touches him, gasp. Oh. Will turns up to Nico and says, as he's about to go try and murder Octavian, if you're going to go shadow travel to that command tent, forget it. Nico didn't say anything about anything. Will, Will, Will just said that. Will just read him for filth, tore him apart. Will said, I know yeah. what you're going to do. And you're wrong. He said, like, I'm a healthcare professional. I touched you with one finger and I felt a darkness inside of you. And you can't shadow travel anymore, bitch. I'm your doctor now. Doctor's orders. That means he's got the same ability that Asclepius does. Mm-hmm. When I reread it last night for this, I that's when I picked up on that. Because it's like, oh, Will grabs Nico's hand. The mad lad. But it's actually, it's like, oh, he used, my hands are shaking as an excuse to grab Nico's hand. To check his health, to make sure he was okay. Because if he could touch Literally. it, I'd get a sense. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what the grab was for. It's like, I need to see if you're okay. 
you're not and you're not doing that again oh it is so cute how often like can you name any other children's fantasy character whose superpower is being a doctor it's so cute <laughs> and adorable I love when they're healers you don't see it enough Except I love it when like male characters get or boys get to be healers because it's usually such like a girls only mm-hmm, trait mm-hmm. shout out to Steven Universe when he insults Octavian by referring <gasps> to him as anemic, anemic. I lost oh. it <laughs> <laughs> no Tino shade to anemic people. I just thought it was funny <laughs> that that's his vocabulary. Not no Tino shade to anemic people. Listen, you don't know the kind of hateful DMs we're going to get. <laughs> it's true. We respect anemic people. You're people too. I also just have to read this earlier line of dialogue because we're going to read almost all these lines of dialogue. Quote, he expected Will to flinch or look away. Most people did, but Will's blue eyes stayed fixed on his. Annoyingly determined. Not me reading a passage mm-hmm. about the color of people's eyes because I had no choice. Because Will Solis has had a crush on Nico. Sorry. Yes. No. That's what yeah. it is. Is that Will has definitely noticed him before. That's what we're getting out of yeah, all Will of this. Will has had a crush on Nico D'Angelo for a really long time, and <laughs> these captures. So it's like the way you see it, like the way he acts around Nico. And and earlier when the other campers, he's like, "Oh, Llewellyn and Cecil and I are doing this," and Llewellyn waves at Nico super warmly. Yes. Hi, I'm Llewellyn. You must be Nico. I've, I've heard, heard a lot, lot about, about you. Who is talking a lot about Nico? I oh wonder. My God. Positively. Because she's friendly. She's not like, oh, you're Nico. I've heard things. She's like, hi. <laughs> nice yeah. to meet you. Will has a huge crush on you, and I know this. Oh my God. It's all in the text. Based on these interactions, like, I'm gathering that there's probably not the same duration of conversation. There's probably not physical interaction. But I am gathering mm-hmm. that Will has probably tried to have several conversations with Nico at various points, and Nico has just kept it pushing. Like, said, no, thank you. Yeah. Nico had other things to do. Like, I am unlovable. No one wants to be around me. Due to his walls. Yep. Mm hmm. And Will Soul says, I can rock climb those. Let's go. <laughs> that is so funny, Darren. <laughs> Self promotion. Yes. Check out that Instagram. On the Rocks Boise. <laughs> on the Rocks Boise. That line about his eyes, like, staying fixed on his yes. and not looking away, it gets me. If you are someone in life who is, like, an intense person, I feel like this is going to hit for you, too. Even if you're not a child of Hades, if you are someone with a lot of intensity in your personality <laughs> and you meet someone who, like, holds eye contact with you and actually listens and isn't just, like, going to back away slowly, that means a lot. Mm-hmm. That's super mm-hmm. exciting because you're about to meet with somebody on, like, an equal level and you don't have to be, like, embarrassed and, like ashamed and you can have a real conversation with someone it's just it's so exciting for nico we're just gonna read another line (laughs) here um, from further on in this dialogue please nico's irritated quote he hated working with other people they were always cramping his style making him uncomfortable and will solace nico revised his impression of the son of apollo he'd always thought of will as easygoing and laid back apparently he could be stubborn and aggravating and this is what i would like to say to the twitter not the Twitter community, I guess the Tumblr community of old times, I feel like mm-hmm. part of the reason that I was so middling on this in the past is that I think that is the way that people characterize this relationship. They're very like, oh, like, it's sunshine and darkness, it's whatever, blah, blah, blah. They're like very, yeah. like, blonde kid with brunette kid, it must be a pairing type of energy. But th- I feel like that is really missing the point of this, which is what we get here. Nico's yeah. explicitly saying, like, oh, I ignored him because... I thought he was easygoing. Instead, this person is actually really intense and stubborn, mm-hmm. just in a slightly different way. Like, their, their, their primary dynamic is, like, a banter. It's not, like, Will just saying nice things and Nico, like, 
ignoring them or being mean or something. No, they're they volley back and forth against each other. The dynamic is like Nico trying to sacrifice himself unto the darkness in a dutiful, resigned, reckless mm-hmm. way, and Will being like, "How about you don't do that? <laughs> How about you take care of your health and eat some iron? That's just a better yeah. dynamic." Nico, oh you God. need some kale, <laughs> but he actually does give him some gum. He does give him a supplement. Did he get some of that vitamin D in you? You need yes. sunlight, kid. Oh my Nutrition. God. Magical medicine. Here's another one. Here's another one. Maybe my favorite. Um, He remembered Apollo, smiling and tanned and completely cool in his shades. Talia had said, he's hot. He's the sun god, Percy replied. That's not what I meant. Why was Nico thinking about that now? The random memory irritated him, made him feel jittery. Jittery? He had arrived at Camp Half-Blood thanks to Apollo. Now, on what would likely be his last day at camp, he was stuck with a son of Apollo. Jittery! Jittery? Jittery. Jittery. I thought this was a classy party. I thought we were... Oh, oh my. Oh. What? <laughs> Nico, okay. At first, honestly, the first time I reread this paragraph, I didn't really get it. I was like, what? And I was like, okay, well, it's... I guess because Will looks like Apollo. And I'm a it's little a bit stretch. in Nico's shoes. I'm a little bit like, why am I thinking about this right now? But it does make sense. I get it at its core. It's a stretch, but it's a stretch that you make. If you're Yeah, it's that stretch that you make when you're down bad. It's like all of the memories that have anything to do with Will <laughs> are just flooding to the surface right now after mm-hmm. that electric current. <laughs> and also, it is cute that it's full circle for him. Yeah. That's so sweet. It is. I'm not into the Apollo of it all, but like, if this is how it's going to be for him, then I guess I'll go on this journey. Let's... <laughs> why not? Hey, why not? <laughs> yes. Okay, we're about to be off. Nico ends by saying, whatever, but we have to hurry. You'll follow my lead. Because what did Will say? Will said, you're not going to be shadow traveling anywhere. Instead, we're going to go as a team. We're going to go together to try and destroy the Onagers. This seems a little cursed. It's probably not going to work. But why not? It's better than the alternative. Let's try it. We're off. We're on our mission. They found the first one. They're trying to fuck it up. They need a distraction. Will just runs away and tries to get people to follow him. And it works. That's kind of precious, I guess. Why not? Um, it actually does work. Um, Llewellyn is like Hecate, right? Yeah, she's She like Hecate. turns a bunch of people into pigs. That's sickening. We love that. Homage to the one and only. Cecil has that impish grin of a Hermes kid. And he's like, well, I excel at messing things up. That's why they sent me on this mission. So I'm going to go mess everything up, which is so fun. I love the Hermes kids. It's nostalgic. Love being back with Camp Half-Blood kids. Like love this just like kids with superpowers energy yes hyperactive kids with superpowers <laughs> okay here i am hey welcome back dj hey so where are we at we're just getting a lot of little details here nico goes to help will because he is getting chased by these people and correct me if i'm wrong i think this is the first mention of the books of a demigod in battle um kicking people's groins <laughs> and who would it be but nico iconic because people don't generally need that right they do have other weapons <laughs> nobody expects it coming either so it's like you kick me in the groins we're trained in several forms of combat and you're gonna kick me in the dick you're right it's the role is the nico. fastest thing to do mm-hmm. he you're says in his like internal monologue like oh i'm trying to not kill people and i guess in this case i could just do something else and so he does he does and they're all <laughs> on the ground it works he, like they're all incompatible it works dead, but, like, no complaints um I was like, we make a great team. <laughs> Will punched his shoulder. Thanks for the assist. Six at once isn't bad. Not bad, <laughs> Nico glared at him. Next time, I'll just let them run you down, soulless. Ah, uh, <laughs> they'd never catch me. Rick knows how to write one solid couple type, and it's the kind that bickers. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the only kind I care about. This is fair. We're it's definitely <laughs> the best kind that we get to see in, like, almost anything. As they're going along, like, this plan was not that well thought out. Obviously, people are starting to catch up with them and realize that there are four Greek people running around fucking things up. Nico, at one point, tries to cover them by raising skeletons again, which, as we know, he's not supposed to do. Mm-mm. Doctor's orders. <laughs> um, and so, after he does it, he basically collapses into Will's arms. Oh, my God. Will catches him. You idiot. Will put his arm around him. I told you no more of that underworld magic. I'm fine. Shut up. You're not. Nico wanted to pull away. He hated physical contact, but Will was a lot stronger than he looked. Nico found himself leaning against him, relying on his support. I take it back. This is the worst one. This is the worst one yet. <laughs> shut up. You're not. No one has ever told Nico to shut up before. No Maybe one. Percy. Maybe. And we know the effect that that had on Percy him. Percy off screen. <laughs> Percy has too much guilt to ever try to tell Nico to shut up. Percy telling Nico to shut up is yeah. going to be like nothing compared to Will telling Nico mm-hmm. to shut up. That is going to end him down bad. It's really funny. I'm, I'm cackling. <laughs> and then Octavian arrives. Fucking Octavian. Fucking Octavian. What the fuck are we even doing here? Fucking A. This guy. Who even, who do you think he is? Who does he think he is? Hate that guy. He's not in this book as much as I thought he was. No, I definitely thought he was around more. Well, it's because he's at the forefront of my hate. And so I think about him throughout the whole book. <laughs> Just right there. Uh, and so I'm like, even more than Gaia and the giants and Octavian hate him. People who ask for a redemption arc need to stop please yeah <laughs> octavia needed a redemption arc less than luke did he hardly had a villain arc how can you have a redemption is boring he has nothing going on he's annoying like, you hate him but like octavian is like a dolores umbridge like dolores umbridge is yeah. actually a good villain <laughs> this is a terrible comparison to make because dolores umbridge actually stands for something like she is supposed to be a stand-in for like a certain version of like bureaucracy and yeah. incompetence of power and like the arbitrariness of adult tyranny these types of things octavian He's like that, but he actually stands for nothing. I don't understand why he doesn't have anything else going on. He has no ideas. He has no perspective. He has no... Not that he needs to have redeeming qualities. He's blinded by Greek rage. But like, yeah, like he's not particularly good at anything or Mm -hmm. useful for anything. Like, as a villain, he crumbles in two seconds. It's just really silly. But we're facing up against him again. He has some dog person supporters, like shock troops security guards it's a little unclear what they are but this is where will um turns out will has another power he's not just a doctor he also knows how to whistle he is an ultrasonic whistle (laughs) which is his only musical ability that he inherited from apollo how does one discover (laughs) they can ultrasonic whistle right like did that happen in marching band at camp half-blood he was like oops uh, he was hailing a taxi and like he accidentally did it a little too loud and the window shattered around. Oh, no. <laughs> Will doesn't live anywhere where there's taxis. You don't well, know that. We don't Adams, see what they're so doing. They don't take trips to New York. You're telling me Will never went to go to a restaurant? <laughs> I do feel like they take day trips to Manhattan. Exactly. They have to. Right. They went to see Hades Town. They went to see Hades Town. <laughs> Will took Nico to go see Hades Town. Anyway. So, um, ultrasonic whistle. Will does his thing. And then we have a confrontation, basically, between Octavian and Nico. It's not violent. Nico's thinking about it. He's like, I really could just murder him right now. It would be really easy. It's verbally violent, yeah. <laughs> he's just sitting there. He's like, you're so small. He goes, some dogs need to be put down. Ooh. Like you. Whoa. Filthy. Nico stays winning with the one-liners mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing. Like, I'm going dark. Dogs <laughs> need to be put down like you. Flair for the theatrics. I'm These are good lines. Dark. Mm-hmm. So goofy. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. 
Okay, so they're going back and forth, and Nico's like, I could kill him right now, but I, after killing what's-his-face, the actual villain of the sequence, he doesn't want to kill people, but he's, like, looking at Octavian and, like, really sizing him up, and he's just not impressed by what he sees. Nico knew Octavian was a legacy, a descendant of Apollo many generations removed. Now he couldn't help thinking that Octavian looked like a watered-down, unhealthy version of Will Solis, like a photo that had been copied too many times. Whatever made a child of Apollo special, Octavian didn't have it. I love that because Octavian's whole thing is that he believes he is fulfilling his destiny as like a descendant of Apollo. Like Apollo, listen, this is all Apollo's fault actually and we shouldn't forget that. Yes. Octavian is Apollo's fault because Apollo Mm -hmm. was so flattered by Octavian and all his offerings. He's like, I'll make you the most important god of them all. When he says like, oh yeah, Apollo has like told me the future and give me these visions. And Will's like, no one has seen the future. You're lying. I don't think he is. I think Apollo has been like telling him, oh yeah, you'll be great. Oh yeah, you'll do all these awesome things. And it is in fact Apollo's fault. But with Nico with this back and forth, he's like, you're whatever makes Apollo kids special. You don't have it. Octavian doesn't have anything behind his argument, behind his stance, behind what he's trying to stand for, like we said earlier. It's just not there because he just doesn't have it. Now, here's the thing. Octavian manipulated Apollo. I know, I know. We won't have this argument on someone else's podcast again. (laughs) I can't with you. I firmly believe that if you are manipulated, you shouldn't be at fault because you truly didn't understand because the guy was giving you false pretenses as to what he was Except actually doing. Except when you're a Greek god and the person manipulating you god. is sure, an anemic 15-year-old. Our Trials of Apollo episodes are going to be nothing but strife. <laughs> I'm super excited for those episodes. <laughs> I do think it's a little bit awkward the like blood quantum Apollo thing yes! that's happening yes! right now. Yeah, there's yes! that also. Incredibly. I was like, what are we doing? But it's true. Like, I get that it's kind of like a sat, like a filthy read that he is like a watered down version of Will, but it still is a little bit awkward. <laughs> I think it would be a filthy read if they were like both children of Apollo and we we're mm-hmm. like, oh, literally, you're just like not special. And that's what he's saying. Yeah. But he's saying like, you're not special. And like, maybe it's because you have too much of that mortal blood. Yeah. Rick's whole thing about the reason why kids of gods can date each other is because he said in the last Olympian that gods don't have DNA. Mm -hmm. So none of this should make sense. Like, you should not be able to water down godliness (laughs) over the course of multiple generations of having Mm -hmm. lots of mortal ancestors because it's not DNA. Like, that's not how this inheritance is supposed to work. And also, even if it were, spoiler alert for those of you who have not read your medical sociology and anthropology, but blood quantum is fake. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you cannot be 20% whatever. Like, it is not to say that there is no, like, biological tie to ancestry, obviously, but there is no such thing as a gene that is Cherokee or Japanese or, like, Nigerian or anything else because all those lines are fake. That's just a little PSA about the reason why this is a little bit weird and we don't love this conversation about um, Octavian being not real Apollo or whatever the fuck because he has other parents... I feel like it was supposed to be a roast on, like, privilege from legacy students mm, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that come from wealthy established families that we know about from New Rome. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. definitely think that that was the intention. It just comes yeah. across yeah. not yeah. as that at all. <laughs> when I said earlier, like, there are some things from this sequence that I remember so clearly. That's one of them. Yeah, me too. I actually did remember that. Okay, I'm sorry. It's so late, but I'm going to be doing another reading now. Do Please. it. Do <laughs> it. <laughs> Quote. I'm helping the Greeks and the Romans, Nico said. Octavian laughed. Don't try to con me. What have they offered you? A place in their camp? They won't honor their agreement. 
I don't want a place in their camp, Nico snarled. Or in yours. When this war is over, I'm leaving both camps for good. Will Solas made a sound like he'd been punched. Why would you do that? Nico scowled. Oh my god! It's none of your business, but I don't belong. That's obvious. No one wants me. I'm a child of... Oh, please. (laughs) Will sounded unusually angry. Nobody at Camp Half-Blood ever pushed you away. You have friends, or at least people who would like to be your friend. You push yourself away. If you wouldn't... If you would get out of your head and out of that brooding cloud of yours for once... Enough! Octavian snapped. D'Angelo, I can beat any offer the Greeks would make. I always thought you would make a powerful ally. I see the ruthlessness in you, and I appreciate that. I can assure you a place in New Rome. All you have to do is step aside and allow the Romans to win. The god Apollo has shown me the future... No! Will Sola shoved Nico out of the way and got in Octavian's face. I am a son of Apollo, you anemic loser. My father hasn't shown anyone the future because the power of prophecy isn't working. But this, he waved loosely at the assembled legion, the hordes of monstrous armies spread around the hillside. This is not what Apollo would want. Should I keep going? I'm going to stop there. Okay. We were getting <laughs> punched in the stomach? Yeah. Like the ground dropped Why out from beneath him. Why would you do that? Oh, why would you do that? And then Octavian just interrupts it. And it's like, we don't care about you. Stop talking. We're willing. It's willing yeah, to go time. Shut the like, fuck up. Whatever this gay shit is, <laughs> I need to do some conniving. Let me manipulate some people. Not his internalized homophobia. <laughs> Octavian, that nasty twink. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we're almost there. Octavian's like, let's charge. And then Will does another ultrasonic whistle, shuts everybody up. And who comes flying in on the Pegasus? It's Reyna delivering the Parthenos. Um, Her purple cloak is glittering strangely in the sunlight. Ooh, I guess it's magic now. It doesn't say if she like touches down on her Pegasus, but it says that she yells at everyone, which makes me think that she is hovering in the sky Mm -hmm. on the Pegasus, yelling down onto Mm -hmm. the Legion, which is so badass. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And they like set down the Athena Parthenos and gold ripples across the landscape, which is such a beautiful image. We rarely get like real magic like that in these books. And it's so special. And the feeling Nico gets. Feeling of peace. Yeah, there's like a voice. The voice of Athena is speaking in everyone's heads and saying like, Olympus is real. Like, we care about you. Don't be deceived. Which, I gotta say, it feels a little bit like gaslighting, but in the moment you're like, okay, for the most part, yes. Powerful. (laughs) Unity. (laughs) Warmth seeped into Nico's bones. A comforting, peaceful sensation he hadn't had since. He couldn't even remember. A voice inside him seemed to whisper, you are not alone. You are part of the Olympian family. The gods have not abandoned you. Again, that's a little gaslighting because the gods have literally abandoned them. Uh, but I think powerful. I think because it's an to be fair, <laughs> they were split for like the majority of this fight. Yeah, Zeus was a dick. That was Zeus's whole thing. I don't think the rest of the gods were on board with that. Yeah. Zeus is a dick. Don't be like Zeus. Don't be like Zeus. I don't. I don't believe that the gods truly wanted to abandon them. And they really didn't. But when Zeus put up that block and then they started to becoming split, as we saw with Apollo and Artemis going to their homeland so that they weren't so just incapacitated with pain. Although I don't think Apollo was super faking that he he had like hypochondria, that whole thing is like, oh, yeah, I'm- Apollo was the same across both. Yeah, he's actually fine. It's the same both name. Greek and Roman. Exactly the same. Same name, same <laughs> attribute, same godliness, everything. 
everything yeah he's like oh, oh i'm i'm here for my sister essentially but i'm gonna try to play it out and i also don't want to deal with my dad right now he's mad yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with that yeah. i also think that because it doesn't say that the athena parthenos says this in nico's head it's more of just a feeling that comes with this kind of magic to like reinforce that what the athena parthenos is supposed to represent is protection and security and unity oh God, throughout oh the book it's like oh it's radiating magic and it's keeping monsters away but this is the first time we see it really impact a demigod beyond the fact that it made Reyna kind of uncomfortable to be around early on and so it really underlines because Athena was angry yeah it underlines how important it was for Reyna to bring it back like what it does when it's back really underlines like why this was worth it Yes. Yep. As they're all filled with this moment of peace, there's this visual of Nico like striding in between yes. the Greek and the Roman armies, like in the gap between them as they're about to charge, swinging his black sword and just being like, Reyna risked her life for all of you. We brought this statue halfway across the world. Roman and Greek working together because we must join forces. Gaia is rising. Big hero speech. If Big we don't work speech. together... Bum bum. Halfway across the world, nosebleed. <laughs> yeah, no amount of big hero speeches could have stopped Percy's nosebleed, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Literally, Piper tried and she couldn't speak for once. Yeah. It's a great moment because like, Arcavian had them fire their fancy catapults and they don't work because Cecil did his job and did it well. But then the Greeks said that yes. they were just attacked to this when they show up and they're going to attack and it's going to, everything's about to be fucked. It was all yeah. useless. They're going to destroy each other. It doesn't matter now. And then Reyna shows up and then Nico does his speech and then Gaia starts to rise. And now there's Gaia and they're also surrounded by all of the auxilia troops. Oh, no, the exactly. All of the monsters. The pacing for these last like five or so pages is wild because every two seconds you really are getting a whole other dynamic during which you really expect he's gonna sit with it Mm -hmm. and actually explore it like there's also a moment earlier on that we just completely blew by because we spent only like one paragraph there where the fifth cohort yeah turns on octavian and says we are actually following reina's orders she is the rightful praetor everyone else better sign up with us and there's like a pause where we're like whoa okay is the roman army about to have a civil war are the monsters gonna attack the roman army now but we have no time we're just immediately off to the next thing Mm -hmm. up until the moment where Guys awake, we're surrounded by monsters. The Parthenos has returned. And I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I I love how it ends. Can I please go ahead? Please sign us off with it. So they hear the voice of Gaia, she is threatening them. She's like, it's a futile gesture, you're all going to die together. Tavian bails because he's a coward. Close ranks, Rana yelled. The Greeks and the Romans moved together, standing shoulder to shoulder as all around them the earth shook. Octavian's auxiliary troops surged forward, surrounding the demigods. Both camps put together were a minuscule dot in a sea of enemies. They would make their final stand on Half-Blood Hill, with the Athena Parsonos as their rallying point. But even there, they stood on enemy ground, because Gaia was the Earth, and the Earth was awake. Them, their final stand on Half-Blood Hill made me so weirdly emotional <sighs> every time, just... It's- Camp Half-Blood Hill, it's the first thing we ever saw of the camp from Percy, and now here we are, and everything came down to this, and it's so important, you don't even realize how important it is that the Greeks and Romans are standing shoulder to shoulder until they turn the page to the next section, but that's not our section, so we won't talk about it, we'll leave it for you later, but... (laughs) Gaia really fucked up because if she just let it happen, I don't know. We don't know for sure if Reyna and Nico could have rallied the troops. We don't know if Octavian would have won. Maybe the monster's like, we don't know if it would have brought them together. But it did, and it worked, and they're on Half-Blood Hill. Making their final stand. It's true. Everything's really clicking. So quickly, so nicely. The timelines are aligned now between the two sides. Wow. 
the Athena Parthenos makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not know if he was going to stick the landing on the Athena Parthenos being delivered, but like, it yeah, does. it basically works. Rick is slaying. He's doing it. <laughs> yep. That plot line worked. <laughs> well, thank you both for being here with us for Piper and for Nico's POV for the thank beginning for of having us. Angelo. Tell the people where they can find your podcast. So, uh, one more time, DJ and I are cousin siblings of Podcast Poseidon, a mythology podcast that deep dives into the ancient stories found in the Percy Jackson books. And then we look to other places to find out where those stories are appearing in, like, modern pop culture and talk about, like, why do we keep telling them and why is it important? We're not a read-along podcast, though we do go in order of the myths in the books. So check us out at Podcast of Poseidon on any of your favorite podcatchers. Or you can find us on Instagram at Poseidon Pod, Twitter as well. If you're on Instagram, you're talking to me. If you're on Twitter, you're talking to DJ. Or find everything at podcastofposeidon.com. We have a website. Woohoo! They have a website and it's not even a Wix. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a Squarespace. I pay for it. <laughs> yeah, that's professional. All right. Thank you guys so much. Next week, we are going to be back for our final final set of POVs for the entirety of Heroes of Olympus. It's real. It's happening. We will see you guys there. Bye, all. Bye, Bye, everybody. Have a good one.